Mad-Eye Moody is remembered for always saying constant vigilance, and that idea can apply to Magic the Gathering as well. Being able to attack without leaving yourself open to attack yourself can be useful, and that's what this episode is all about. Vigilance. Welcome to Magic the Gathering Under the Hood. I'm your host, Chris, and I'm joined by Joe. Say hi, Joe. Hello, everybody. And first and foremost, uh, we'll get our uh, contact information out of the way. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can do so by emailing us at mtgunderthehood at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Twitter at mtgunderthehood. And with all of that out of the way, Joe, what decks have you been working on? Well, I had the wonderful idea since our last recording, to make a colorless Eldrazi deck. I used Kozilek the Great Distortion as my, as my commander, and basically it was, it was a lot of fun. Everything in the deck had to be colorless, could have no colored pips of any, any, any sort in there. It was different, it was unique, it was extremely challenging to try to build some of this, especially when you're looking at, I did it as Eldrazi Tribal, so you need to make sure you have plenty of ramp to actually get your cards down. I have 17 sources of ramp. I have never put that many ramp sources in a deck before. But because it's all colorless, it's all artif- it's all like is it like well, that, expedition maps and travelers see, that, amulets? Well, that's that's the interesting part. It, it is a it's a big grab bag of things. We have soul ring, all right? We do not have Arcane Signet, because that's not going to tap for any mana. It actually does no good here. So, and no com- Arcane So Signet. that means Command Tower is also off the command list. Command Tower is off the list. Can't use it. All right, so we, we, have, we still have Soul Ring. Uh, we have things like Mines... 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 No, that's a Mind different vessel? card. Uh, Mind Stone, that's mm. it. All right, little, little spells like that. We can still use Wayfarer's Bobble, because mm. it can go fetch a basic waste. All right. We use things like uh, Artisan of Kozilek, that is a mana dork. We have some options like that. Uh, Burnished Heart is another one. You can sack it, get two Sad basics. Robot. The Solemn Simulacrum is in there. It's card draw and ramp, depending on how you use it. The card draw is also far more limited than you might think. Not only do we have very few spells, the spells are typically expensive, we have relied on several lands to also be sources of card draw. <laughs> the targeted removal, <laughs> also, the spells are quite limited. We are relying on a, there's about six different spells that I could find that are actually targeted removal in one way or another. A lot of them are destroy target permanent, whatever. But we also have a lot of abilities from the creatures. So, for example, we are playing Meteor Golem, destroy target permanent. Yes, we're going to pay seven to destroy target permanent and put a body on the field. That's what we're doing in this deck. (laughs) But also, many of the Eldrazi have Annihilator, which doesn't let me choose specific permanents, but is going to force the opponent to get rid of a lot of things. So, I'm, I'm, it, it works. Board wipes, we had to use Nev's Disc. Not my favorite, but it works. All is dust. I don't have an All is Dust. I got one for you. All right. But All is Dust is a great one-sided board wipe. I just Like I said, if you're willing to let me borrow it, that's great. Otherwise, I just need to get my hands on a copy. But that is that is one that I do need to put in there. I want to play it against my uh, Vela deck. Oh, my word. All right. 
Commander Wednesday. Show up. I'll bring Kozilek. You bring Vela. We'll have some fun. All right. But I got to play it last week, Wednesday. It worked well enough. 17 sources of ramp. You know how many I got? Two. One. Ah. One of my ramp sources because I was lucky enough to drop Urza's Saga as one of my early lands. It hit chapter three and I went and got a soul ring. It was miserable, but it did work. For this week, one of my exciting ideas is to use the creature Gerard Golgari Lichlord from Return to Ravnica. Now, this is a Golgari creature. Costs two green, two black. It's a Lichlord. Typically, in a commander deck, people play this card. It has the ability... Um, Gerard gets plus one, plus one for each creature card in your graveyard. And it's, it starts off as a 2-2. Two, two. However... I'm going to use it for its second ability. Colorless, black, green, sacrifice a creature. Each, cre each opponent loses life equal to the sacrificed creature's power. Now, first of all, it's each opponent. So the idea is going to be ramp out a lot at the beginning. Drop cr cheaper creatures with big power. I got another way around that too. Sacrifice the creature with big power. And hopefully it's either a cheap creature or it has a powerful leaves the battlefield trigger. Then everybody loses life. Now, it's real easy for me to get down, say, uh, for example, uh, Demogoth Titan. It's a card from Strixhaven. It's an 11-10 or an 11-9 or something like that for power. But it only costs Golgari Hybrid, Golgari Hybrid, Golgari Hybrid, Golgari Hybrid. Now, it's detrimental trigger is that it causes you to sacrifice a creature whenever it attacks or blocks. You aren't going I'm to I'm not going to attack or block. So I can pay seven and cause 33 points of damage across the table. It's awesome. It gets better. Evoke creatures. All right. Evoke creatures. If you play them for their evoke cost, it's a triggered ability to sacrifice them. So in response, you could sacrifice them while that triggers on the stack. <laughs> while that triggers on the stack, I can sacrifice them, and I get all the value. I looked up, I forget which one it is, but there, there's an evoke creature. It's evoke cost. It's two colorless and two green. When it ETBs, it deals two damage to each creature without flying and each player. So, and it, I think it's got a power of seven. So I can pay four to evoke it in. I'll let the first trigger go off. Before the sacrifice trigger happens, I'm going to sacrifice it to Gerard Golgari Lichlord and deal seven damage to everybody. Plus, everybody already took two from the trigger from the creature entering the battlefield. And maybe I take out some creatures in the process, all right? So effectively, I have paid seven to deal 27 points of damage just to the players and who knows how much damage to the creatures. It's awesome. I have a bunch of the cards that I want to put in there already, and it's a super simple graveyard deck. It's awesome. I love it, and no one's going to see it coming. It just comes out of nowhere. It's Are you going to put Bastion of Remembrance in there? Maybe. We'll see. I don't know. But it's it's great. I love it. I'm so excited about it. And, oh, that's a new art. I don't. I didn't know that one. Uh, that must be from the Golgari... Is one it? Of the, is it versus Golgari dual deck? I think so. Yeah, that's the is it yeah. symbol. Is it Golgari? Yeah. yeah. Well, mine's the original from Return to Ravnica, but who cares? Actually, I like that artwork. But anyway, Chris, what have you been brewing these past couple weeks? All right, so I've actually been working on a couple of things. One, uh, I've been building a couple of tiny leaders because a couple of people from our LGS have shown interest in it. So yes. I'm like, yes, give it a shot. We'll so try it. 
So I built uh, Kahira as oh, Cat Tribal. Gar- okay, nice. Good, good. Um, I have uh, also have... Uh, um, I actually tore my Rograk uh, Arden commander deck. Aww. Tore that down into a tiny leader. Aww. <laughs> but I made sure to... To omit okay. some of the po- more powerful... Um, hey, make it powerful. It's okay. Well, you just have a high-powered tiny leader deck. It's fine. <laughs> um, and then I've also built... I'm also working on a um, Adelise. Oh, yeah. Nice. It's either going to be Adelise or the Surfing Wizard from... Right, from Zendikar Rising. Yeah, the, the one yeah. where uh, you can tap and... Uh, the next instant or sorcery costs X less, where X is the number yeah. of wizards you control. Yeah. Um, I think I might actually go with that one. That way I can put, like, big splashy X spells into it. That's true, and since the converted mana cost would be three or less, since it's an X spell... Yeah. Yeah, go, X would be zero, so... X would be... When when deter- when building your deck. Yeah, when building the deck, but in, but in play, by reducing the cost by X, I gained that much, essentially? Yes, essentially, you you can think of it as free mana. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, so all right, surf surfers surfs up. All right, awesome. I'm nice. gonna go with that one. All right. Um, and then uh, in my free time at work today, I actually went online, did a little. I was able to get online, do a little bit of research, mm-hmm. and I actually brewed up three pioneer decks. Oh wow. Um, so I have one that's a red deck wins more aggro. Okay. Um, as like a uh, bone crusher. Yeah. Monastery. Yep. Uh, Kumano faces. Yep. Uh, oh, Kakazan. Yeah, yep. that's a nice one. Kakazan. Uh, Skewer the Critics, you know, your typical yeah. aggro red deck. Right. Um, I also kind of brewed up, uh, Is It Wizards? Okay. With a uh, swift, it's like a spell slinger prowess yeah. type deal. Mm-hmm. So storm chaser. Yeah. Uh, Adelise, of course. We dragonauts. Oh, that would be a fun flying card. Yeah. because on top of if I have Adelise and dragonauts out, on top of getting the plus one plus one from Adelise, the we dragonauts also intrinsically have has plus one yeah plus two plus oh 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 even better so it gets nice. really big and then nice. of course delver of secrets just yeah. make it bigger mm-hmm. like you know good um and i actually have these oh and i completely well i have awesome. i have the, this next i have a playset of these of the next card okay that i completely forgot was pioneer legal treasure cruise Treasure Cruise is Pioneer Legal? Yes, it is. I, I had to double check Doesn't it. it have, didn't they get rid of all the Delver cards? As of today. As of today. I look, <laughs> I, I was on Wizards okay. of the Coast, Scryfall, Goldfish. I was looking at all of the, uh, I was looking at all the oh, sources. Wow. And Treasure Cruise is legal. I thought they banned all the Delve cards out of Pioneer, but okay, hey, great, go for it. And then the last one that I brewed up is one that's kind of like near and dear to me because okay. it's kind of going back to my roots. Gruel Aggro. So are we talking like the Gruel Aggro cards from the Return to the Return to Ravnica? I, Zertog Goblin, Gruel I do, Spellbreaker. I have Gruel Spellbreaker, okay. Rhythm of the Wild. Of course. Cinder Vines. Yeah. Burning Tree Emissary. Yep. Uh... Atroxa's Command. I don't know that one. That one's from the cons. Okay. Uh, then uh, Rubble Belt Raiders. Yeah. Uh, Goblin Rabble Master. Yep. And Reckless uh, Bushwhacker. 
all of those make a lot of sense. <laughs> and then the sideboard, I had to throw one guy in there. <coughs> Indestructive Squirrel! Oh. I had to throw Toski <laughs> in there just because. So, like, that's, that's, what, that's what I've been working on, and I... Um, I finally, I was able to finally find the cards that I set aside mm -hmm. to upgrade some of my decks with. Okay. And I finally got around to upgrading the decks because whenever we played Commander last time, yeah, I went to go search for a land and I went, oh wait, it's it, not it's in. It's not here. in there, yeah. And I found my <laughs> reflection of Yara. Oh, good. It, it was in a stack of uh, the Grixis vampires that I'm building. Uh, so I need to go. put that into my yeah. uh, Arcades deck. I put the take out Wall of Denial or High Alert, you know, or Arcades. <laughs> Just take out Arcades, you know. Get rid of the commander. Um, and uh, so I put Reflection of Yara in, in there. Um, Endless Detour. Just because yeah. it's nice targeted, like right? No, not right now. Yeah. Um, kind of deal. And then the tricycle. Um. And I also need to go back. I and assume you mean the land. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Rafines, right? No. No. Yeah. It, no. No. It's Sparas. Sparas headquarters. Yeah. yeah. Um. Right. Yeah. Oh, and it turns out I have like I have a playset of Rafines Tower now. I have a playset of Xander's land. Don't know how it happened, but yeah. I, um, uh, the the the. New Capenna lands, it's so weird, their distribution. Yeah. But it's so nice to be able to, like... It is. I have, I have like, a handful of, um... And I bought a lot of Ikoria. Mm -hmm. I have, like, a handful of the Triumphs. Compared to right, New Capenna, where I have, like, a fistful of all of the Tricycle lands. Yeah. Like, urgh. So, and go figure, like, the ones that I'm missing are the ones that I want to build. Uh, of course. Yeah. Of course. All right, so this was good. We got some good things going. We're excited. I'll try to have Gerard ready to go. We'll probably have Kozilek up for tomorrow. That'll be fun. Cause if and we got to try out those Pioneer decks, not against Orzov Prison, something else. But. Yeah. Well, I still have to build them and everything. Right. Like I have to go through and find. I mean, there's now, mind you, I did kind of go to like wishlisty type mm -hmm. deal with the lands. Oh, of course. But all, yeah, but the shock lands, you know the gruel, yeah. the gruel aggro one. I actually have a majority of it. Like I already know, I have the bone crushers. I know I have the gruel spell breakers. Mm -hmm. Um, I the know Zorta goblins. Uh, yeah. Oh wait, you didn't put those in there. That's no. right. Never mind. Um, the I, I think I have like two or three stomping grounds. Mm -hmm. I have like two or three root bounds. So I have like a majority of like all of them. Yeah. It's just that getting them all together. Yeah. I might have to do a little bit of shopping, but other nope, than that... That wouldn't be too bad. I, I mean, the okay. nice thing about Pioneer is the fact that it's a lot more budget-friendly. Much more, although quickly becoming not as budget-friendly. Yeah. So we'll see how long that lasts. But yeah, for the time being, budget-friendly. Budget all right. Friendly. So with all of that out of the way, let's go to our words to live by. Now, these ones do come from the comp rules from the glossary. And uh, I'll take the first one. Joe, you want to take the second one? Sounds good. All right, so the first word to live by is attack. Uh, attack is to send a creature into combat offensively. A creature can attack a player or a planeswalker. See rule 508, declare attacker step. Um, so this one is basically turn creature sideways if they don't have vigilance. And so turn creature sideways, send it at the opponent. Simple as that. Very simple. Our next one is attacking creature. Now, these have two very different meanings, and we want to be very clear about that. So, attacking creature means a creature that has either been declared as part of a legal attack during the combat phase, 
once all costs to attack, if any, have been paid, or a creature that has been put onto the battlefield attacking. An attacking creature remains an attacking creature until it's removed from combat or the combat phase ends, whichever comes first. And again, you can see rule 508, the declare attacker step. What's really important here, when you hit, when you're told to declare attackers, to declare your attackers and, and to go to attack, a creature is declared as an attacker only if, during the declare attackers step, you actually declare that you are going to attack with that creature. However, if you have some other ability that says to put a creature onto the battlefield attacking, it will still be considered an attacking creature. However, any triggers that happen from a creature attacking will not trigger. And that's why these two words are very important and matter so much to the game whether it's been declared as attacker, as an attacker, or put onto the battlefield as an attacker. And also we do want to keep in mind, especially with today's rules and our, our ability for today, if a creature is to be put onto the battlefield tapped and attacking, and the creature being placed has vigilance, it will still be placed tapped and attacking, even with vigilance. So lots of stuff going on. Chris, you just pulled up a card. What do we have? All right, so the whole... If it's if the card says that it's tapped and attacking, mm -hmm. um, it uh, Alesha who smiles at death. Uh, she has the ability when Alesha smile who smiles at death attacks, you may pay Orzov Orzov. If you do, return target creature card with power two or less from your graveyard, tapped and attacking. So, so there you go. Great example of the difference between those two words and why they matter so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as if you were to put Alesha onto the battlefield tapped and attacking that triggered ability would not happen mm -hmm. so yeah very big difference chris let's dive into today's show focus talk to us about where did this word vigilance come from so it was originally printed as does not tap when attacking and this ability has been around since alpha fun fact for you there was one card in alpha that had what we now know today as vigilance um, later, the text was changed to attacking does not cause creature name to tap. And then finally, it became keyworded in the first Comic Owl block, which is where we see a lot of all of the keywords kind of coming out. Right around that point. Comic yeah. Owl, Lorwyn. stuff right around there. Yeah, we see a lot of them starting to ground. Um, and it's name, uh, named after the aura Vigilance, or perhaps it, the aura was named because of the keyword. It well, came out because the same the set. Ability. Yeah, it, it all got changed in the same set, so we don't know. <laughs> so it's been around since the beginning. It's just been very limited. Um, got keyworded about the usual time that all the other ones got keyworded. And being a powerful ability as it is, there aren't many cards with this ability. No, not really. Um, early sets frequently had between 0 and 5. Recent sets are about 5. Maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. Well, there's usually five creatures that have the Vigilance True. ability inherently. And then, of course, we have spells that will give Vigilance temporarily or permanently. And a few that make, like, tokens that have Vigilance. Mm -hmm. A few spells. Like that. Yeah, because... So you end up with about somewhere between five and ten cards total. But there's there are still few... When you, when you think about a set having somewhere around 350 unique cards... 
only about five of them inherently have been. It's a very, very small part of the population. The rules for vigilance are really simple, so <laughs> we're not gonna we're not gonna spend a lot of time here. 702.20a. Vigilance is a static ability that modifies the rules for the declare attacker's step. Remember, when you hit declare attackers, typically any creature you declare as an attacker, you need to tap it. This ability modifies the declare attacker's step, and as always, whatever is written on the card supersedes any rule that is printed in the rulebook. Alright, so always keep that in mind. 702.20b. Attacking doesn't cause creatures with vigilance to tap. Hmm, where have we heard that before? Oh yeah, it was printed on the card. Really, this isn't all that complex. And then finally, 702.20c. Multiple instances of vigilance on the same creature are redundant. There is no double vigilance. I don't even know how that would work. I, I can't even think of a sarcastic way that that would work. That so, I, yeah. So again, vigilance... Anytime you see it twice on a creature, it's redundant. It doesn't matter. But that's really it. There, there isn't that much to the to the rules when it comes to vigilance. You can come, you can, you can think of some clever interactions, but typically it's going to be real simple. How about this? A creature with multiple instances of vigilance are vigilantes. <laughs> Insert loud groan of. Oh. <laughs> all right. So with all of those, oh. Man, that was a lot of rules. That was a lot of rules. I tell you, I haven't read that many rules since Mutate. <laughs> all right, so with all of that out of the way, well, I've been saying that a lot lately. All right, so now on to the featured cards. So the first, the original, the OG, the very first creature with, the with I almost said Defender, <laughs> with Vigilance is good old Sarah Angel. It's a summon angel, sorry. So it's a creature angel, 4-4 uh, four, four, with flying, and Vigilance for three white-white. And that's it. That, that's that, all it has. Yep. But I'll tell you what, that was a powerful card back in the day. Oh, like, going back and looking at, like, all of the cards and everything, like, from Alpha, like, mm -hmm. I've actually taken a deep dive to look into Alpha and, you know, right. like, the beginnings of Magic. And I'm, like, I'm looking at it, like, both sides of mm -hmm. the spectrum. It's like, okay, I can see in today's looking at it from today's point of view, that doesn't seem very good, but looking at how limited the card pool was and everything like that, yeah. like, some of the cards in Alpha, Beta, Revised, Unlimited, yeah. um, like, those cards, by today's standards, are a joke. Yeah. But back then, oh my, they were powerhouses. Oh, yeah. Well, this card, so when, when I first started playing, 7th edition had come out not too recently. And they were still, you could still buy 40-card pre-constructed, like, starter decks of 7th edition. But they were based, they were monocolored decks. Sarah Angel came with two copies in that deck. And I'll tell you, I jammed that card into every white deck I could find. Because it, it was, it was just such a powerhouse that attacking didn't cause it to tap. Flying. And it was, it was a 4-4 flyer, exactly. 4-4 flying, and it's always there to block. Exactly. Yeah. I jammed both copies into every deck I could I could make work. It was awesome. All right, this next one, Chris and I had a great discussion about how much fun this card actually is uh, before the show. This is Angel's Trumpet. It is an artifact. It costs three generic. It is from the set Urza's Legacy. It's an older card, but it's great. 
it gives all creatures vigilance, essentially. And then, at the beginning of each player's end step, tap all untapped creatures that player controls that didn't attack this turn. Angel's Trumpet deals damage to the player equal to the number of creatures tapped this way. This is just such a, a unique card and a great way to give creatures vigilance, but then punish the player for not actually taking advantage of it. It's awesome. And again, you and I had some great conversation about how we could break this and make it so so frustrating to play against before the show. Like, Angel's Trumpet will absolutely demolish token decks if they have to make them on their turn, because then they can't attack. Yeah. And so it's just, they're, if they make a lot of tokens, they're taking a lot of damage. Angel's Trumpet would be, like, Joe and I talked about it before the... Uh, before the episode, and it would be a double-edged sword in my Arcades deck because mm -hmm. all of my creatures would have Vigilance and I could attack with them, but there is a clause in it that says, this also affects Defenders. Yes. So yeah. if I don't have a way to attack on the board and I have Angel's Trumpet out, mm -hmm. I am taking a lot of damage. But if I'm able to attack, I'm not taking anything, and I still have my walls in front of me. Yeah. So it's either go Shields up, but send a lot of damage out or not do anything and go shields down and take a lot of damage. I will real I'm I am honestly debating on whether or not I want to put Angel's Trumpet into my uh into my Arcades. See, I wouldn't put it into Arcades, but I did like your other idea Oh Agnes? Of not not Agnes, putting it into a deck with propaganda or ghostly prison. Yeah. Because then you get to the point that there's a clause in the rules. That's when, when it comes to attacking requirements that says you are not required to pay any or you are not required to make an attack that has any required costs associated with it. Ghostly Prison and Propaganda both require the attacker to pay two generic mana for each creature attacking the person who controls those enchantments. That being said, it's also unique because Angel's Trumpet isn't forcing you to attack. So therefore, that rule doesn't come into play. It is still, you, know, you you can choose not to attack and take the damage, or you need to pay two per each of those enchantments so you're not taking damage and sending it at the opponent. I think that is more of, you know, the the uh, the Hate Bears, Prison, Pillow Fort kind of an eye deck, deck that you have going there, but it is, and at the end of the day, it taps the creatures that you didn't attack with. So it's... But it is such a cool card. Chris, what's next? All right, the next one is Vigilance. Don't worry, that's the enchantment. Um, Vigilance, it's an enchantment aura for a white, and it has enchanted creature has Vigilance. That's for literally it. <laughs> for a white mana, you give you enchanted creature to give it Vigilance. That's, that's it in a nutshell. But don't sleep on this one. Oh, no, not one bit. Because for, one, for a white mana, you get to enchant a creature. Mm-hmm. And give it vigilance. That isn't. That's in the you, right in the right deck. It can do quite a bit of damage. I, I mean, I almost went and found my uh, copy of. Uh, I actually have like a handful of copies of them, and I almost put it into my uh, um, my Rograk Arden deck. Oh yeah. Because even if I can give them vigilant, mm -hmm. I mean, yes, it doesn't give them anything else. But at the same time, there's other equipment and everything that I could put onto them. Yeah, and so. Just by giving him vigilance, I'm he, that would put him at first strike, menace, trample, vigilance. Yeah, and then whatever else the artifacts have, uh, the equipment has. So I'm 
mm, now, mm. and I just, I spent like three hours brewing <laughs> that deck. Now I have, to, now I'm going to spend like another 20 minutes just trying to figure out what to cut just so I can well, find it. And let's, let's look at something a little bit more common that you might see. Can you imagine this enchantment on a Blightsteel Colossus? Having to deal with a creature with infect like that both ways as an attacker and a blocker? I mean, that, that's just miserable. So, it, yeah, don't sleep on this card. It's a really easy enchantment that can do a lot of damage. Last card we want to talk about is Yurlock of Scorch Thrash. Now, this is a legendary creature via Shino Shaman. It's a 4-4. It costs a generic, a black, a red, and a green. It comes from Commander Legends. It has a player losing unspent mana, causes that player to lose that much life. One generic tap. Each player adds a black, a red, and a green to their mana pool. And Vigilance. Now, I, I don't know precisely if this was intended, but I want to say that it, it is. The idea that it is a commander and something that can do commander damage from the Commander Legends set, I have a strong suspicion that this creature was given Vigilance solely so that it can attack and then later on still use its activated ability, use its mana ability to give all the players, you know, black, red, green. So... Sometimes, and there are multiple examples of this throughout the history of Magic, I want to say that's the reason it got, it got one, one of the reasons it got Vigilance is so that that could happen. So, again, there are a lot of great creatures that have Vigilance, some really, really powerful ones, and some powerful effects that can be gained from Vigilance. Chris, what are the dominant colors for Vigilance? So, the dominant colors are... 114 in white, 12 in blue, 3 in black, 5 in red, 9 in green, sorry, 90 in green, 134 in multicolor, all of which have either white or green in their mana costs, 50 colorless, and 8 lands that grant vigilance. Either grant or have vigilance because there are some man lands. The, well, there, yeah, there's that, and then I think, like, Westvale Abbey is a transforming land yep and i think the demon on the back has vigilance um stuff like that yeah um uh the important again the important note to take from this is vigilance is dominantly a white colored mm -hmm. ability all right it can also be found frequently in green and again when you start looking at the multicolored cards every one of them had either white or green if not both in their mana cost so there was a lot of bant a lot of celestia when arts so some good things to keep in mind when you're thinking about Vigilance and using it or potentially having to deal with it in a game. So because Vigilance is such a somewhat rare ability, there aren't any featured decks. And instead of playing, instead of giving you um, pointers on playing with a deck that's centered around Vigilance, we're going to take it from a macro scale of, um, instead of a macro view of the entire deck, we're going to take it down to a micro level of just how to play with creatures with vigilance and how what to do if you if your opponent has um creatures with vigilance um it's kind of the same on how we're going to do it kind of not I mean, we're still going to talk about some suggestions we still have our talking points but you're not thinking you, you should not think of the deck archetype as being vigilance that doesn't typically happen. It, it's difficult to see that, especially in limited or standard. There's just not enough cards. And the idea that in your sealed pool, you're going to get enough creatures to make a vigilance-based deck, or in your draft pool, you're going to get enough creatures, it's, it's not going to happen. And if you do, 
then the rest of the draft pod has some very serious questions they need to ask themselves all right, about why they didn't take any of the creatures with vigilance or how bad are the creatures with vigilance in this set that nobody else wanted them. It's Yeah, it's one of those deals. So, yeah, we are, we are going to talk more of the idea of if you're using just a couple creatures with vigilance, here's what you need to do with those creatures. Yeah, so if you're going to be... So for the creatures that have vigilance, be aggressive because attacking doesn't cause them to tap. So they're going to be there for uh, blockers on your opponent's turn. Uh, you, you'll also want to protect them. Combat trips, combat tricks are very helpful for you because, again, they are going to be... They're most likely going to be sticking around after combat and they'll be able to block. First strike and indestructible, always good things to add to them. Um, if you have a way to give a lot of creatures vigilance, uh, go for it. Those work beautifully in go-wide uh, token-style decks. Um, just so that you could do a big swing, but also have a big wall of blockers on your side. Uh, Joe, do you have anything to add for that one? Not really, because I mean, you know, if you're able, if you are able to be aggressive with the creature, assuming that the opponent you know doesn't have a, a bigger blocker, they may always have a removal spell. And sometimes, yes, those removal spells may be conditional on removing an attacker. But outside of that. There's really no reason not to be aggressive. And even in the case where your opponent is going to remove an attacking creature, unless your creature with vigilance is your best creature in the deck, odds are you forced them to get rid of a removal spell or to, to spend a removal spell that otherwise they would have saved for your bigger creature. So, and that, that really gets into some of the more advanced play styles of how do you tactically work against your opponent. Sorry, strategically, tactically. I always forget those, ever since you explained it to me. Tactical, small, strategic, big. How you strategically play against your, your deck against the opponent's deck. If you're playing against somebody that has some vigilance creatures, again, be prepared for them to be aggressive with those creatures. If you don't have a big enough blocker out on the field, there's no reason for them to not attack. If you have some combat tricks ready to go for your creatures, that's great. Really helps out. But you need to have removal. Having removal in a deck is just always a good idea, but you need to have removal ready for the creatures that have Vigilant. But at the same time, you also need to analyze how annoying that creature with Vigilance really is. A 1-1 with Vigilance, not that annoying. Odds are you're going to be able to take it down. A 4-4 with Vigilance with a, with a tap ability, now that one... Well, even even a one four with a with vigilant. Yeah. All right. All of a sudden, it has four toughness. It's much more difficult to get through, even if it's not dealing a lot of damage. Even if it only pokes you for one damage every turn. All right. And even if you do have, say, a three three that can block it, if they decide they are going to have a combat trick up, they pumps the power of that creature real quick. All of a sudden, they still have a vigilant creature, and now you have nothing. All right. So. You really get that those are two very different levels of annoying, right? So really make sure you, you make that decision. How annoying is this creature with vigilance? Death touch is helpful to remove vigilant creatures because again, that 1-4, you can now poke them with a 1-1 with a death touch. Doesn't matter that they're a 1-4 with vigilance and that can really deter them from attacking. Uh, pacifism effects can also be very effective when it comes to vigilance. Um, assuming they don't have some kind of triggered or activated ability. But if you just drop a pacifism on them, enchanted creature can't attack or block, then 
all of a sudden the main point of a creature with vigilance is gone. Doesn't mean they can't still be useful in some other way. Sacrifice, you know, sacrificing the creature, convoking, convoking the creature, activated abilities, triggered abilities. Those all still work, but at least you have taken out its ability to attack and block, which is the primary reason for vigilance. So, Chris, do you have any other thoughts? Um, so going back to the go wide one. Yes. My favorite, uh, my favorite combat trick or my favorite thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um is a chroma's will that's a fun one also from commander legends yep <laughs> um and it's a instant for uh three and a white um choose one if you control your commander uh as you cast the spell you may choose both um one of them the first mode is creatures you control gain flying vigilance and double strike until end of turn the other mode is creatures you control gain lifelink indestructible and protection from all c- colors until end of turn so if you have your commander, all yeah. of your creatures get flying, vigilance, double strike, lifelink, indestructible, and protection from all colors. Um, so this one, even if you don't have your commander out, uh, it's still good to be able to go turn everything sideways. Well, go do it before you would have. Yeah, you would do it at do the it beginning, of, beginning combat. of combat step. Yeah, at the beginning of combat before attackers are declared, throw this down. Everything has vigilant. Uh, since you're going to go with the Vigilance one, that means they also have Flying, Vigilance, uh, and Double Strike. Yeah. So they're in the air, they're hitting for twice as much. And, and they're going to be available to block next turn. Yep. So, that yeah, that's great. Yeah, excellent spell. Unfortunately, you really don't see a lot of Vigilance in the major formats. Uh, much like Death Touch, Vigilance is a bonus ability that is stapled mm. on to another creature that's being used for a different purpose in the deck. I went through a number of combat-based decks um, on MTG Goldfish, looking at the you know the meta and the major decks that are at play. You just don't see a lot of them. Every now and then, a vigilant creature would pop up, but it's really not that popular of an ability. And I guess a lot of it is because you know when you're when you're doing those combat-focused decks, there's either a different point or you're trying to hit so hard that the crackback isn't going to be as as detrimental to you. So you're not really concerned about blockers. So, all right. So I think that wraps up Vigilance. Yeah. Uh, again, it's, it's really not a complex ability, and there's not a lot that goes into it. If you can make a Vigilance-based deck, please tell us about it. We'd, we'd actually love to hear about a Vigilance-based deck. That would be pretty cool. That would. Great. Now I want to brew one. Go for it. All right. Listeners. If you can brew one, let me know. I might take that idea, expand on it, and actually build a deck with it. And I will use it in whatever format I can. And I will let you know how it goes. So, you will be able to influence a show. There you go. Alright, let's move on to our scuttlebutt. For the past several weeks, Double Masters 2022 has been released. There's been a lot of talk about it. We've had experience with it both in just cracking packs, playing in events that feature Double Masters, and prize packs, earning, earning prize packs and stuff for Double Masters. So, with all the information that's out there, we're going to give our quick opinions on Double Masters. The basic idea for this will be, we are going to say, in our, in our opinion, is the set a success or a failure. And then we're going to give our reasons why. We're going to limit it to one minute to defend our answer. Right? Now, keep in mind, 
if you're not aware of Double Masters 2022, it is a almost completely reprint set. They created one new card, Cryptic Spires, that was really just a mana fixing card. It's not. Yeah, any, for, it, it's yeah. one of those like. It was meant for draft. It, I th- they only appear in draft packs. Yeah, they, that's right. They will not appear in the collector boosters. Yeah. Anyway, it, it's it's all reprinted cards. There is only Cryptic Spires is brand new. The price value, or excuse me, the the price that you ended up paying for a box varied anywhere from $250 when it first released all the way up to, I've heard people paying upwards of $375 for a box. I think the market has settled somewhere in the $340, $350 range for a box. The collector booster box, or hold on, let me go back. A pack of Double Masters, a draft pack of 16 cards, because you get two rares, or two cards in the rare slot at rare, or, or mythic, per pack. Settled somewhere in the range of twelve to seventeen dollars, with our LGS charging fifteen. The collector booster, and I use this term in quotation marks, box came with four packs. It ran somewhere in the high two hundreds, somewhere around two seventy-five to three hundred dollars per box. Again, using that in quotation marks, box, and packs ran about seventy-five dollars piece for fifteen cards. When and if you want to go see what all was actually in a collector booster, go look it up on the internet. It's widely available. So, Chris, I say we are going to flip a coin to see who goes first. And basically, state what you think and one minute to defend your answer. All right, call it in the air. Heads. All right. Okay. Do you go? Do you want to go first or second? I will go first. I think Double Masters 2022 was a failure. I think the price point was way too high. I think that the idea, the purpose behind Double Masters and the reprint set was to get high-valued, expensive, harder-to-find cards back into the hands of players, to get more copies out there and make them available so that people can play those higher-valued cards. However, they also wanted to make it a good draft environment. And I think those two concepts are completely opposed to each other. You get the price point became way too high, not enough of the packs were actually cracked, and by that extension, you could not get even a lot of the more expensive cards unless you were still willing to shell out 40, 50, 60 dollars per card for some of those high-end ones. It was extremely prohibiting to the newer players and to the players that just don't have the wallet to really play the game. There's my minute. Chris, your thoughts. I think that Double Masters 2022 was both a success and failure. Oh, no, 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 no. Pick no, a side. No, no, no. I can justify both of them. You have one minute. All right. Go. All right. So it was a success because I had a phenomenal blast every time I drafted because we all, because I was able to pull a consecrate, I was able to pull some high value cards that I was wanting. A lot now. Yes, all of them are reprints, but I was able and I had a blast pulling it. I've I have seen three people crack an imperial seal at our LGS, so that was a good part. That it was fun to draft. It was a failure because it was all reprints. There was nothing new. They were it was either a hit or a miss 
on some of the packs, there were some that were absolutely phenomenal. There were some that were absolute garbage. But the price is also too high. I understand with it being a uh, with a master set, price is always higher. But it was both good and bad. Okay, there you have our opinions. I don't think we got all our information out there. No. No, I don't think so. Chris, I'm going to give you 30 more seconds. Ready? Mm-hmm. Go. All right, so with the prices being so high, it kind of limits you on... It, it limits the players that could buy it. Uh, the guys in high school, they can't really do it. I was having a hard time justifying $30 to draft it, whereas it was $15 to draft normally. Uh, but the, it's risk-reward. Do you want to pay $30 to possibly pull, like, a $400 card? So... There's all of that. Okay, I'm going to take 30 seconds. I agree with you that the draft was so much fun. But at the end of the day, the packs were too volatile. You had some of those packs that were absolutely worth it. You had other packs that you literally made less than $3 worth of value out of there. At the end of the day, it's a reprint set. Packs should be maybe a dollar or two more than a normal pack. No more than that, so that they can actually get those cards out. In the okay, we could go on and on about this. And obviously, we have two very strong opinions. But we're going to go ahead and leave it here. You have our base opinion um, and what we think. So, if you have an Masters 2022, please let us know. We would love to hear it. We'd love to respond and, and talk to you about it and get your thoughts on the matter. As you can clearly see... We have we have small good things to say, but I think by and large both of us were pretty disappointed with the set. Yeah, as, and and the overall result that it. Chris, anything else that we need to talk about on this episode? Oh uh, well, this episode no, but there is a new set on the horizon, so we will be keeping our eyes out, looking forward to those. It's true, Dominaria United, and then. Possibly October, Unfinity. Possibly. We'll, we, we did we'll get, see. We did get a few more spoilers, <laughs> so it, it, it's getting closer. We'll see. So as more and more cards are spoiled for um, Dominaria, uh, mm -hmm. for Brothers United. Uh, right? Dominaria United, and then later the Brothers War will yeah. be so, December, November. So Dominaria United, as soon as we can kind of see, as soon as those cards start getting spoiled, we can start getting shows together yeah. for the upcoming abilities, so we have that. Infinity is right around the corner. It's been too long yeah. of a wait, but they've released more spoilers. It's it's definitely going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. And so, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you want to give us your thoughts on Double Masters 2022, uh, you want to send us a deck, a deck brew of yours that is based around Vigilance, you can do so by emailing us at mtgunderthehood at gmail.com. You can also do so by messaging us on Facebook or Twitter at MTG Under the Hood. And with that, I want to say thank you for listening to this episode of Magic the Gathering Under the Hood. I'm Chris. And I'm Joe. We look forward to delving deeper under the hood with you in our next episode. Stay tuned. <laughs>